Welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. We're currently in a series titled, Mark, Stories of Jesus Christ. In this series, our senior pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly, leads us through the Gospel of Mark. We started in chapter 1, and the series will culminate on Easter Sunday morning, celebrating the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We hope you enjoy this incredible message today. Thank you for being a part of our church family. How are we doing today, church? Doing good? Yes, I'm so glad you are here. Hey, um, man, I got a question for you, and it's not original. Bono, Bono sang about it. Have you found what you're looking for? See, yeah, I love that. I love that. If you have, absolutely, you should celebrate. Others of you are like, I think so. <laughs> others of you are like, I don't know. And others of you are like, no. And I just want to say, regardless of who you are and regardless of where you are in the answer to that question, welcome one, welcome all. We are so glad you are here. Welcome to all of our campuses. We love you guys over there in Sanford and Garner and NCCIW and the Coffee House, which is going down right now upstairs. Welcome to the Latino campus and uh, anyone watching this thing anywhere on the World Wide Web or on our television ministry, welcome one, welcome all. Have you... Have you found what you're looking for? Today, I'm going to actually speak about a subject matter that really gets at the heart of that question. That's why we did that song. I mean, we just don't do Bono for, for you know, any old reason. But we should. I mean, he's awesome, right? You guys, you guys enjoyed that a little too much. I think I saw a few of you with your telephones out, you know, get, getting the modern day lighter thing going on. But, but, but here's the deal, man. Have you found what you're looking for? And I wanted to let you know on the very, very beginning of today, the truth is you will never find what you're looking for until you learn to understand and experience the subject matter that Jesus reveals, if you will, in Mark chapter 9 and the subject matter that we are talking about today, namely the glory of God. Glory. I actually want to talk to you about the glory of God today. What do you think of? When I say the word glory, what, what images come to mind? Again, if you got your Bibles, open them to Mark chapter 9 or your iPads or your phones or, or whatever or your droids, you know. Notice I said iPhone before I said droid because the iPhone is superior to the droid. I just, I don't know where all that came from, um, <laughs> but I'm just having fun with you. Hey, um, yeah, open up your Bibles, open up your Bibles and take out your teaching notes. Take out your teaching notes and let's lean in to this incredibly important subject matter. If you got my newsletter this week, and I hope you do, and if not, you, all you got to do is put your email down any Sunday on the Connect card. I'll send out a weekly devotional uh, newsletter. It normally hits you on about Friday. And I actually said in that newsletter that the glory of God is humanity fully alive. Saint Irenaeus, second century saint, actually said that, that the glory of God is humanity fully alive. Have you experienced, do you understand the glory of God? And as we're studying Mark's gospel, we come across this chapter, Mark chapter 9, that you just heard. I'm hoping you're paying close attention to, to those video readings of Scripture. We're doing them differently a little bit in this series. And I just feel led to say this right now. There is a guy, I don't think I've ever met you. There's a guy in our church. His name is Ty, right? Yeah. 
time. There's a guy in our church who's an artist who does those renditions every single week. He draws them out. Would you give him some love for using his gift? Wow. What an incredible artist. So we heard earlier Mark chapter 9 verse 2. And if you got your Bibles open, just want to point out that the very first verse that you heard said this. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain. Now, if you're, if you're a note taker in your Bibles, I would just write in the margins. This is the first time that they have ascended a mountain in Mark's gospel. So they go up to the mountain. Jesus kind of takes this trio of leadership. Peter, James, and John. And he makes his way up a mountain. And we see, in my opinion, one of the most remarkable passages in the New Testament about the identity of Jesus. You see, glory and the identity of Jesus are inextricably linked together. You can't look at the identity of Jesus without looking at his glory. And you can't look at the glory of God without looking at the identity of Jesus. About 12 years ago when I was in Kentucky um, studying and preparing to get ready to start this church. Um, I, you've heard me talk about this, these years that I had up there. It was an amazing experience where literally about every 14 to 21 days, every two to three weeks, we would actually get on a plane and we would travel around the world and we would study the best of the best churches. And um, this particular trip, we were not studying the best of the best churches. We were actually, we were, we were tourists. Plain and simple, we were tourists. And uh, this program that I was in, they paid for all of this stuff. It was called the Beeson Program. Ralph Waldo Beeson left all this money to the Beeson Program. And so if you get into this doctoral program, they send you around the world and you study all these great churches. Well, this trip, we went to the, to the northwest side of Greece. And I don't know why, but it's one of the trips that I remember the most from my travels that year. We actually went to a place called Matora. Let me talk to you a little bit about this incredible area on the northwest edge of the plain of Thessaly in the country of Greece between the mountain massifs, if you will, of Pindos and Antikasia. Stone giants, literally as if they've just protruded out of the earth. It was a remarkable place. We spent hours getting to the top of this mountain where at the top we actually visited a monastery. Now, question, so I know who I'm talking to. How many of you, how many of you have been to a monastery? Not many. Um, I, monasteries, y'all know what monasteries are, man. Monks live there. Well, this is, on top of this, this is the monastery of the transfiguration. Based upon the passage that we're reading today. So these monks, they scaled these mountains that were reaching to the sky, if you will. It's an, actually an ideal setting for a refuge of tranquility and soul peace, if you will. It seems that these 11th century hermits braved the storms and the fierce weather. Armed with indomitable will, they climbed up these rocks like birds of the sky. And they nested, if you will, in the hollows of these wind-beaten crags in quest, in quest for the glory of God. 
And I'll never forget as I, as I went to this monastery. By the way, once, once we climbed up this mountain and we got to the monastery, this is what the monastery greets you with. with same as St. Catherine's at Mount Sinai, the base of Mount Sinai. The monasteries have a way of making sure you never forget your mere mortality, if you know what I mean. And so when we walked into the, to the monastery here of the transfiguration, what greeted you was a room full of skulls. Oh, yeah. Get you some of that. Hey, welcome. You're going to die one day. I mean, they just, they just slap you right in the face with your own mortality, man. It's awesome. So we were there. And so one of the things I noticed as I made my way, and again, we spent the entire day there, is there was this picture. It was as if every room of the monastery that you went into had this picture. And I was not familiar with this symbol that I'm about to share with you. But it was this picture of Jesus or what these 11th century monks believed that Jesus looked like. And Jesus in all the pictures, wherever I went, it was like his eye would always follow you. You ever seen these, these pictures, these frescoes? It's like, like you go over here and Jesus is looking at you. And he's looking at but but he, he, he did this. Let me show you a picture. Let me show you a picture. This was the symbol. This was the symbol in all of the pictures. Let's get a little participation at all of our campuses. Are you ready? Everybody put your fingers together. Everybody just lift your fingers up. Got it? Got it? Right there. This is the symbol for the fact that Jesus Christ is fully human and fully divine. God, the only God-man to ever walk on the face of the planet, sinless, holy, divine, yet fully human, is an unbelievable concept to try to wrap your mind around. And in Mark chapter 9, we stumble upon this passage which is drenched with the glory of God. What we see in Mark 9, as Jesus takes this trio of leadership up the mountain, he's there in all of his humanity. Something happens. He starts dazzling with divinity. He starts to shed his humanity, if you will, like a rattlesnake sheds his skin. And he's radiating, glowing with the divinity of Almighty God. The word in verse 2, if you got your Bibles, I would circle this word. The word transfigured is the word that we get in our English language for metamorphomai or metamorphosis. Right? How many of you remember that science experiment that you did in elementary school where you looked at an egg which became a caterpillar which became a what? Chrysalis, which became a what? Butterfly. You did it too, right? Do they, ever, do they still do that in schools with our little kids? Yeah, they do. Cool. So, so but that, that's the word. It's, it's metamorphosis. So, so they're up on the top of this mountain. Get a visual of this in your mind if you can. Jesus starts having a metamorphosis. He starts transfiguring before these disciples and they behold the glory of Jesus. And what I want to do with you today is I want us to just pause, if you will, and ponder the glory of Jesus. Have you ever experienced it? Have you ever encountered it? Maybe it's been a long time. 
Maybe it's a brand new concept for you. Now, if you got your Bibles open or you listened earlier, who were the two people that were flanked on each side of Jesus? Huh? Yes. Elijah and Moses. So Jesus is up on top of the Mount Transfiguration. He starts to have this metamorphosis experience. He transforms. He's dazzling with divinity. On one side of Jesus is Moses. On the other side of Jesus is Elijah. Now think about this. I said it earlier. Identity is what this passage is all about. Identity. We see Jesus. He's got Elijah on one side. Come on, you biblical scholars. Elijah represents what? Prophets. The prophets. And so in Elijah, we see the representation of the prophets. He joins Jesus on the mountain. So Jesus is the fulfillment of all the prophets. On the other side of Jesus, we've got Moses... Moses represents the what? The law. And so Jesus is representing the totality of the law in Jesus, in his divinity, in his humanity, in this full person of Jesus. We see the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, and we see the glory of Almighty God. Did you catch the words that thundered from heaven? In the passage, let's read them out loud together. It's verse 7. Let's read it like it's the word of the Lord, really loud and really proud. If you're ready, say amen. Amen. Go. A cloud covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I listen to him. Now, again, the reason I love doing book studies, like the book of Mark that we're in right now, the reason I love it is for those of you who are just kind of learning the scriptures or those of you who know the word, you actually start to see these connection points in the narrative. Now, when you hear that, look at it. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. When you hear that, what do you think of? Huh? The baptism. Remember? Remember Mark chapter 1? Remember the very first week of this series? Jesus comes out of the waters of baptism, remember? Remember? Yeah, and a voice from heaven thunders and says what? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So what we see here on the mountain of transfiguration is again just a continuation of this theme that is unfolding in the gospel of Mark. Now, did you notice what Peter decided to do? Peter, Peter starts to get nervous with the Shekinah glory of Jesus, and Peter becomes a busybody. Come on, show of hands. Remember where you are. Be honest, you're in church. How many of you, when life gets crazy, when life gets hectic, when life gets uncertain, you turn into a busybody? Yeah, me too. That's kind of my default. Peter, Peter starts freaking out. He doesn't know what to do with the Shekinah glory, so Peter starts to build some tents. Some dwelling places. Hey, let's dwell up here for a little bit. It's an amazing passage. Look at what he says in verse 5 and 6. You read the last one so well together. Let's read this next one. Verse 5 and verse 6. Ready? Go. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Five and six. Five and six. Go to the next one. There you go. Give it up for our technicians. It's a hard job. It's a hard job. Ready? Go. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, 
one for Moses and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were... You see, the the Shekinah glory of God can be a little frightening. It it can be a little awe-inspiring, which is why often when we get around it, if we're not careful, we'll just turn into busybodies. See, there are two things, two truths about experiencing the glory of Jesus. Here's the first one. At first, we usually want to get busy. You just need to know that about yourself. Sometimes when we're here in church and you get right to that point, man, and God is moving and and you're having this authentic encounter with God, if you're not careful, you'll get busy and you'll start thinking about whether or not you cut the crock pot on when you left the house. You'll start thinking about what you got to do tomorrow. You'll get busy. So the first thing you'll do is is you usually want to get busy. But here's the second thing. If you'll ever just fully go there and fully experience the glory of God, listen, you usually want to remain in his glory. If you know him and you've encountered his glory, you will often want to just remain in his glory. And what I wanted to do today for us, same thing I've been doing all weekend as I've been thinking and preparing about this message today, is I've been doing my very best to avoid the busyness syndrome and just just glimpse his glory. This passage, the amazing thing about this passage is there, there, are no, there are no points of application. I'm not going to give you five steps uh, to being a better person today. <laughs> I'm actually going to invite you to let the scripture open up the window of God's divinity, of Jesus' glory, and get you to bask into his glory, the God-man Fully God, fully man. When's the last time you've done that? We're in the season of what? Those of you who come from the high church, the liturgical church, you know that there's a Christian calendar. What season are we in right now? We're in Lent. And Lent... In Lent, we usually have, uh, in the church, we usually encourage you to take on certain habits, holy habits, spiritual disciplines, or we encourage you to do some fasting in Lent. And that's why we've actually got the church now reading through the New Testament together. Hopefully you're joining us. If you haven't done that, there's a a New Testament reading guide in your chairs. So we're going to get through the New Testament in six months. We've had you as a church praying at 7.14 a.m. if you're a morning person and 7.14 p.m. if you are an evening person. But today it's as if Mark 9 comes to the church and it basically says, hey, don't worry about what you need to do. Don't worry about being a busybody. Here's an idea. Just bask in the glory of Jesus. I want to share with you A quote, this is probably in your notes, but if not, you need to write this down. We can never truly do for God until we have adequately been in the presence of God. Did you get that? Don't miss that, church. We can never truly do for God until, until what? We have adequately been in the presence of holy God. The transfiguration of Jesus simply beckons us to behold The glory, the glory of Jesus. Hopefully that's why you came. I want to give you a quote. It's a long one. And uh, 
It's just, it's just it's so worth it. It's Oswald Chambers. Any, any old Oswald Chambers fans in the house? My utmost for his highest. Great, great man used of God. The, uh, this says this, Oswald Chambers. The main thing about Christianity is not the work we do, but the relationship we maintain. We slander God by our very eagerness to work for him without what, church? Knowing him. Listen closely. The greatest competitor of devotion to Jesus is service for him. The central message about the kingdom of Jesus Christ is a personal relationship to himself, not public usefulness to others. So I want to speak to the busybodies in the house. And oh my Lord, we love busybodies around here, right? I want to speak to all of you who have a tendency to serve the church. And you do so much for the church. And we are so thankful for you. But can I just remind you today, listen, your service to Christ is only as useful and effective as you come out of your personal times with Christ and encounter his glory. You got, you got to know that. When you, when you come to church and you're serving Christ, and we invite everybody to serve. So like if you're wondering, can I get involved in this ministry? Can I be a part of this church? Can I serve? Here's what you got to do. Take your thumb, stick it on your neck. If you have a pulse, you can serve. Okay? You can serve. Some of you think, I have to be a member to serve? No. You can serve. But the best servants... Are those who show up here on Sundays or Mondays or Tuesday, people come all week doing stuff, and they show up from their personal times with the Lord. They show up from having encountered, listen, 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 the glory of Christ. And then they show up and check this out, the glory of Christ is all over them. Have you noticed about this about people who love to be in the glory of Christ. They actually wear his glory. The Shekinah glory overflows out of them on to others. Why? Because they've been with Jesus. Dr. Gordon was the president, founding president of Gordon College and Seminary. Great, great man of God. Dr. Gordon tells a story, and this so moved him in his ministry that he actually referred to it uh, quite often in the latter years of his ministry. Dr. Gordon was uh, working on his message all day on Saturday, which, by the way, is not a good thing to do. Pastors who do the Saturday night special thing, it's, I've, I've been there, done that. It's no fun. And so he was working on his message all day on Saturday. And uh, because he'd worked so hard on it, he fell asleep. And so Dr. Gordon falls asleep on his desk, head on his desk in his study, and he has a dream. And in this dream, he's preaching the very next day at the church that he pastored. And he's preaching, and while he's preaching, this stranger walks in the middle of his message. And this can kind of freak you out, by the way. This has happened to me many times before. And he, 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 the stranger walks in and sits down. And Dr. Gordon, as he reflects on the dream later, he, he says he could not make anything out about the stranger's face. All he could remember was the stranger's body. He continued to preach, and when he got finished, he tried to make his way down the busy aisle to get to the stranger, but the stranger vanished. In his dream, he asked the person sitting right beside this wondering stranger who came in, said, did you know him? Who was that? The person sitting beside the stranger said, oh, that was Jesus 
of Nazareth. Now, what's interesting as Gordon tells this story and starts to reflect upon it later in his ministry, he actually said this, quote unquote, one thought lingered in my mind with something of comfort and more of all. He has been here today and no doubt he will come again. Mentally, I repeated these words as one meditating on a vanished vision. And then I awoke, and it was only a dream. But no, it was not just a dream, Dr. Gordon said. It was a vision of the deepest reality. He has been here, and no doubt he will come again. He's with us, church. Can I remind you of that? Can I also have a moment of, I don't know, it's not really a confession as much as it is defining reality. I think we've lost a sense of His glory around here these days. I don't think it's your fault or my fault. I think it's just due to the season that we've been in as a church. And I think due to this season that we've been in, we as a church, we've kind of gotten a little stiff. We've kind of gotten a little hesitant in our worship. We've, we've actually gotten a little resistant in our worship. A little hindered. A little restrained. And Mark 9 rolls around and it reminds us that the church, the church, listen, the church is as healthy as the vision that we have of God. A.W. Tozer, another great one, said this, to regain her lost power, the church must what? See heaven opened and have a transforming vision of God. today no doubt thank you Jesus and he will be here again like I know you're aware that you're here right yeah you're you're aware that you're here (laughs) if you've passed the REM sleep stage and you're so out and you don't know that you're not here that's okay shh they don't know You're, you're aware that you're here And I know that you're aware that the people around you are here. I know you're aware that I'm here. Campuses, we are fully aware that you are there. But here's my question to the movement today. Are you aware that he's here? In all of his glory. In all of his spirit. He's as near... As the breath you are breathing right now. He's here. In his glory. And your tendency might to get, be to get busy. Your tendency might be to start thinking about other things. But I wanted to invite you today. To just behold his glory. I wanted to invite you to worship Jesus today. 
quite possibly like you never have before. We're going to sing a song in a little bit. There's a lyric in that song. Sing like never before. Worship Jesus. Remember the beginning I told you that um, this is the first time in Mark's gospel they go up a mountain? For those of you who know the Bible, maybe you went there, maybe you hadn't, but I'm going to take you there. I want you to just push pause for a moment and rewind. Go all the way back to the book of Exodus. And in the book of Exodus, there was another one who actually went up a mountain. He was the one who was flanked by one side of Jesus. His name was Moses. Go read it, Exodus 19 and Exodus 24. Moses goes up the mountain, not the mountain of transfiguration, but Mount Sinai. He goes up the mountain where he is encountering the full glory of Almighty God. You remember when he comes down the mountain? They could tell. They could tell that he had been with the glory of God. And people will be able to tell the same about you, beloved. When you're with God, when you walk with God, when you behold the glory of God, people notice it. So he comes down. When he's up there, God gives him the Ten Commandments and he comes down. I believe you can't really understand Mark chapter 9 and the mountain of transfiguration until you understand Mount Sinai. Now push pause one more time and fast forward. In just a week or so, according to the gospel narrative of Mark and according to what we're doing next week as we get into Holy Week, listen, Jesus goes on top of another mountain. It's called Calvary. And that God-man would spread wide his arms, lay down his life for you, take your sin debt, take my sin debt, carry the weight of the world upon his shoulders up Mount Calvary where he would die for you and for me and for the sins of the world. Listen, church, here on the mountain in Mark chapter 9, Jesus revealed his glory. There on the hill outside of Jerusalem, on Mount Calvary, Jesus was revealed in his shame and his suffering, where he took all of that upon himself. Here, On the Mount of Transfiguration, his clothes are shining white. There on the top of Mount Calvary, he has been stripped of his clothes. And soldiers gamble for them at the foot of the cross. Here on the top of Mount Transfiguration, he's flanked on one side with Elijah and one side with Moses. But there on top of Mount Calvary, he's flanked with two thieves and one declares you're the son of God will you remember me when you come into your glory here listen Peter blurts out how wonderful it all is but there on top of Mount Calvary Peter denies him three times and finds himself away from God here on top of of the mountain of transfiguration. Listen, church, a bright cloud overshadows the scene, but there darkness comes over the land as he takes the hit for you and for me. Here, a voice from God himself declares, this 
is my beloved son. Listen to him. There a pagan soldier at the foot of the cross declares this really was God's son. It's the glory of Jesus. All, all of this talk about mountains, Mount Sinai, Mount Transfiguration, Mount Calvary reminds me of another one who actually went to the mountain. I'm talking about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And right on the night before he was assassinated, April, he's actually speaking to a large gathering. Maybe you know the words, maybe you don't, but I want you to hear them now through the lens of this mountain top mountain moment of God's divinity King would say this I don't know what will happen now we've got some difficult days ahead but it doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop like anybody I would like to live a long life and King says longevity has its place but I'm not concerned about that now I just want to do God's will and he's allowed me to go to the mountain." And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know that we as a people, we will get to the promised land. He says, I'm happy. He says, I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. And then he ends with these words, mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Have you seen his glory? Have you beheld his glory? Have you basked in his glory? Have you gotten out of the habit? Come on, come on. Of daily. Getting before almighty God. And beholding the glory of Jesus. It's what the monks wanted to do when they, when they felt called into this monastic living. And guys, I'm going to talk about this at the end of the worship celebration today. But the truth is, God doesn't necessarily call us to go where we simply experience His glory. God calls us to experience His glory and then come down off the mountain. And to share that glory with others so that the Shekinah glory out of our times with God shines forth and radiates on all people. But I'm getting ahead of myself. For now, have you beheld His glory? For he is here. The Christ Spirit is here. Behold his glory. Worship him today. Sing to him today. Like never before. Will you pray with me as we do exactly that? Pray with me. Father, I want to thank you. God, where would we be without your glory? God, I want to thank you for what you're doing in this very moment right here, right now. Father, I want to thank you for the believers in the house here. And they've been in your glory before. Maybe they haven't been in some time. Maybe they have. But God, today we're going to forget about everything around us. We're going to worship you today. God, if your glory thrusts us to our knees, we're going to fall to our knees. Father, if your glory thrusts our hands up in the air, we're going to raise our hands to you. Father, if your glory quakens us where we can't even begin to speak or sing, 
We're going to marvel and behold your glory. For it is in your glory that we're changed. It is in your glory that this church finds its identity. Father, get us back to your glory. Get us back to what's important around this place. Father, we've been distracted long enough. We want to be a church that that continues to lift high the name of Jesus and that the glory fills your robe, Lord God. The glory flows into your temple and your people worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, before we do exactly that, I I want to just take a moment and allow the person who is here who came to this place today, and like the song saying earlier, Father, they're just searching. And the truth is, if they were honest with themselves, they would admit that they haven't found what they're looking for. Oh, beloved, let me tell you, you're looking for Jesus. You are looking for Jesus Christ. He has been here before, no doubt. He will be here again. He is here If you need Jesus, if you need to find what you're looking for, open up your heart right now. Ask him into your life. Invite Jesus to come in with his glory to overtake you, to overshadow you, to forgive you of your sins, to put your name in the Lamb's book of life, to claim you and cleanse you from all sin and give you his glory. To give you what you've been searching for. It is Jesus. So if you need that and you desire that, say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Lord Jesus, I need your glory. Lord Jesus, fill my soul. Fill me for what I've been searching for. I will follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for saving a sinner like me. Lord Jesus, together we praise you with new believers and mature believers alike. God, we praise you. We worship you. Come in all of your glory. This we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, if you receive it, give the Lord God a big hand. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. And if you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org. And our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. God bless and have a great week.